to do nothing, to sit with the truth, to think anew without the benefit of transactions, to mask our ignorant bliss, is fundamentally frightening. Blank pieces of paper are paralyzing. Because what if we have nothing to add? What if we have nothing to fill in? Nothing to fill up that space. What if our time with nothingness reveals that we have nothing to offer? The good news is it's an unfound fear. Welcome to Insert Human. This is a show that is not for everyone. It's for seekers, people like you, hopefully, who are searching for solutions to your problems, the world's problems, and everything in between. The conversations to come are going to show you how finding the truth of our humanity is the magic key to solving pretty much anything. Between my monologues, my dialogues with brilliant guests, and your good questions, you're going to learn how to insert human into everything, and in doing so, realize a better life and one day a better world. This is part one of a two-part podcast. It starts with a piece I wrote a few months ago, pre-COVID, that I think is interesting to listen to and to contemplate relative to how our lives have changed just in the last 90 to 120 days. It's titled, The Importance of Doing Nothing. So the 24-7 information frenzy and unrelenting work and life demands that go with it are like rising floodwaters that have us madly dog paddling just to stay afloat. We are gasping for clarifying air, for deeper connections, for a respite from the pace and the fundamental dissatisfaction we feel from just trying to keep up without actually going anywhere. Implicit in all this is the sense that life is being done to us. The ever-rising floodwaters are outside of our control and that the only choice we have is how much we flail our arms and kick our legs to ensure that we don't sink beneath the cold, shiny surface. But what if the best life preserver is not actually doing more, but rather doing less. In fact, doing nothing. So nobody does nothing anymore. Remember, this was pre-COVID. Our society has established a new order that says to be worthy, you must be busy. A standard that the volume of one's transactions determines the quality of a day and even a life. That a good day at the office is a day of checking things off the to-do list versus thinking and doing the things that we really, really matter and that really, really care about? What if the antidote to our struggles exists in giving ourselves and our employees space to just be, to contemplate, to create? What if the answers to our biggest questions lie not in flailing around, but in the simple act of just sitting with our thoughts and feelings? Peter Bregman, a constant contributor to the Harvard Business Review, once wrote this, so it turns out that doing nothing is the white space in a piece of art. The white space is just as important as the art itself because the blank space, the white space around the drawing or the painting, that's what allows the painting or the drawing or whatever structure is there to really pop out and to come out. That's what gives it shape and form. So we need that white space in our lives in order to bring out the clearer view of where we're headed, what we're doing, how we wanna to contribute to the world. And so, yes, I think we can all, myself included, this is Peter speaking, continue to grow in that muscle of doing nothing. The power of doing nothing is in its capacity to create both contrast and focus in how it forces a conversation with the truth of our current reality. Learning how to do nothing, exercising that muscle, is just as important for every business out there as it is for us each as individuals. 
And as much as people suck at wanting to be with their nothingness, companies are even worse. At the Harvard Innovation Labs, where I was the managing director up until last May, I constantly encouraged the staff to stay home and not look at their computers or even work on their to-do lists. I wanted them to sit at their kitchen table or on the living room sofa or on the front stoop to ponder, to imagine, to think, to create, to just be. Because I firmly believed, as I still believe, that in their contemplative quietude will come observations and insights that have far greater value than the value of their last 10 or 10,000 emails. But the reaction typically to my do nothing suggestion was almost universally met with the employee looking at me with fear and showing a reluctance to pull that particular trigger, that do nothing trigger. In part because corporate culture, higher education culture has taught us, maybe even beaten into us, that being productive means being at one's desk doing things. That if we just sit and stare at the ceiling or go for a walk or God forbid, read a book to fuel our thoughts, we're not actually doing our job. You get the absurdity, right? But the other reason that suggesting an employee stay home and do nothing is often met with a deer in the headlights look is because doing nothing is really, really scary. To do nothing, to sit with the truth, to think anew without the benefit of transactions, to mask our ignorant bliss is fundamentally frightening. Blank pieces of paper are paralyzing because what if we have nothing to add? What if we have nothing to fill in, nothing to fill up that space? What if our time with nothingness reveals that we have nothing to offer? The good news is it's an unfound fear. We all have the capacity to create something from nothing. We were all children once upon a time, and way back when, we had no problem creating pictures and words on paper. The key as adults is a combination of courage and time. It's only through a sustained and often uncomfortable embrace of the rawness of nothing that we can actually find something. We can and will find realization, recognition, and pathways that actually might help us get to a different place. Pathways that might just help us eliminate some of the frenzy and froth in our lives, the issues in our workplace, and even the challenges for our business. The importance of doing nothing is an essential truth. And to do nothing, we must find the courage to let go of all that we think we have to do and replace it with a silent contemplation of what we could and should do. And we should allow and encourage all those around us to do exactly the same. Part one. Interesting to contemplate those words, again, in light of the COVID pandemic and how it is forcing most of us, not necessarily all of us, to contemplate nothingness. And that really was the setup or the context for this second piece that I wrote very recently, just a few weeks ago, titled From Pull to Push. And it goes something like this. You've no doubt heard that this time in the history of the world is unprecedented which pretty much means we've never seen anything like it before. Well, I'm gonna argue that that may not be exactly true, but I do believe there's an element of this that is truly unprecedented for each of us as individuals, and that is this. All the pull is gone. Pull, as in the implicit and explicit pulling of others, of peers, friends, and society at large, pulling us to do more, to look better, to be more places, to do more for things, to return more emails, to wear nicer clothes, to live in bigger houses. In a normal world, the old normal world, 
pull was the insidious force that demanded our attention, caused us to set the alarm for 4.45 a.m. every day of the week, that subtly but relentlessly informed and even dictated most of our actions and decisions. Pull was everything, and pull was exhausting. And as of now, for the time being, pull is gone. So what happens when there is no pull in our lives? Only push. When there's nothing in front of us but the stark purity of the question, what do I do now? When our time is literally our time, without the sirens, many songs, without the infinite seductions, without the pressure and our seemingly unquenchable thirst to meet the expectations of others. When what we experience and do is a function of the push decisions we make and we alone make. In theory, with the replacement of pull by push, we should be relieved, but we are not. When the omnipresence of pull recedes to be replaced by push, we actually feel a quiet desperation emerge in ourselves and even in our children. The simple question of what do I or they do now becomes an unsettling proposition. The blank canvas we and they face is daunting, suggesting we have the ability to create upon it when our inner voice tells us just the opposite. Being alone with our thoughts becomes tantamount to watching that movie, The Quiet Place. Silence is not golden. Silence is terrifying. Because what if we are not capable of completing the canvas, not finding a path out of that place? What if the conversation with ourselves either never ends or is a dead end? What if without the pull, without the seeming validation of others and the constant noise in our lives, we actually realize that we are nothing? But wait, what if we actually realize the opposite? Is it not possible that being alone with our thoughts could result in getting to know ourselves? That being forced to paint our canvas to fill in the blanks will result in the creation of something that is a true manifestation of who we actually are and the gifts we carry? Is it not possible that our children, when required to occupy themselves with themselves, will emerge stronger for it? I think yes. And I think that is what makes these unprecedented times a form of opportunity, a profound opportunity, the chance to change the context of our lives and theirs from pull to push. And so the question then becomes, how? I'd like to say it's easy, but it's not. I think getting from pull to push is hard. Learning how to deal with nothingness is hard. Learning how to fill in the blank piece of paper is hard. There will be no flicking of a switch. It necessitates a journey that likely follows Kubler-Ross's seven stages of grief, with an eighth and final stage recently added by one of her collaborators, and that stage is meaning. For pull to be replaced by push as our centering force, we have to work through feelings of shock, pain, anger, and even loneliness. And we have to learn and teach our kids that quietude is our friend and the sound of nothing is an opportunity for profound growth. And in that growth, the bridge to meaning and more meaningful lives. The first step is simply the acceptance that this, an unprecedented time, may actually be a once in a lifetime opportunity. So hopefully you see the bridges between part one and part two. Part one, the issue of nothingness, the blank piece of paper. Part two, realizing a motivation in these unprecedented times. The beauty of what this pandemic has done, it's done many terrible things, but it's done one very positive and, as I said, profound thing. 
And that is to put a spotlight on our humanity and the opportunity for each of us as individuals to get closer to it, to get closer to our truth, the truth of our children, and to actually learn how to create from within versus requiring external forces to define the trajectory of our lives. I hope this is of help. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks for listening today. If you're in search of more opportunities to realize positive change in your life or work, and you find what I have to say helpful, you can always subscribe to my show, check out one of my new salons. There are weekly virtual gatherings of like-minded folks. You can read some of my writings or just listen to one of the talks that I've given around the world over the last couple of years. And you can do it all at chriscolbert.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for my ongoing email updates. When you do, you'll receive a free copy of the first chapter of my about-to-be-published book, Technology is Dead. Again, it's all available at chriscolbert.com. Thanks again for listening today, and I look forward to connecting more in the days ahead.